May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts here assembled be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Why do we do it? I mean, why do we do church? Over the years, as a pastor and priest, I've heard a lot of reasons that folks have for not doing church. Probably one of the most uh, I've heard is, um, I don't need to go to church because I can worship God by myself. Translation, who needs to get up, get dressed, drive in, be harangued, and then ask to pay for the experience? Now, we pastor types typically respond badly to that one. We point out that while it's true that you can worship God alone, most people who make that argument don't actually spend their alone time worshiping. Chances are pretty good that they're not thinking about God at all, unless, of course, something goes wrong, and then they might indeed mention God, but not necessarily worshipfully. And yet, as someone who has stood on a high mountain peak praising God for a view that seems to go on forever, or been moved by God's color palette in the fiery striations of the sky at a sunset, or felt the presence of God while in the zone on a long bike ride, I get it. If I can worship God, even experience God on my own, why do church? Well, we just heard in the parable, why, from the gospel according to Luke this morning. And in that parable, the good shepherd is clearly a stand-in for Jesus. The shepherd has a hundred sheep, he says, but when one wanders off, the shepherd leaves the 99, presumably somewhere safe, and searches for the lost one until he finds it. And when he does, he brings it back to the flock, and then he asks his friends and neighbors to rejoice with him. Now, simply put, the good shepherd wants you and me to be with the flock and not apart from it. So why would Jesus want us to be together? Well, first, it's to our own benefit. Though the lone sheep may well have been enjoying a great personal experience off on its own, being with the flock is of greater benefit to the sheep, which had it stayed apart from the flock probably would have become a lamb dinner for a wolf or a lion. And there's a parable for those who try to live the spiritual life on their own. Just survival can consume all good intentions. And that speaks to us of one of the most important benefits of doing church, gaining a community of faith, of belonging, of being part of and celebrating something greater than ourselves. It's good to remember that we all benefit from sharing our spiritual life together. A faith community provides instruction for living a faithful and meaning-filled life. It supports us through the good and the bad times when circumstances or even life itself would seek to turn us from the path. 
It's here that we get feedback on our progress and accountability for our weaknesses. It brings order to our lives and constantly reminds us of the greater purposes than just ourselves that we are called to by God. Doing church puts the events of our lives in rhythm and in perspective. I know for myself that when I'm in that rhythm of life, if I miss worship, I feel it. Doing church benefits us. That's the first thing. It gives us a community, a place to grow our spiritual selves with others. And here's the other reason that Jesus gives us in this parable this morning for doing church. God is calling us here. That's God's perspective on doing church. Perhaps it's the main reason for being present in the flock that is the church simply because it's that place to which the divine shepherd gathers sheep. And maybe that's the big point. Although we can enumerate the benefits to our faith from being in church, the main reason for being here isn't really for the benefits. It's because this is where God wants us to be. You know, there's a popular misunderstanding out there about the spiritual life. Many people feel that their spiritual life is a private thing, something that exists to be about and serve only ourselves. Now, your spiritual life and mine is indeed personal, and the more personal, the better, to move us and to draw us to grow deeper into it. But it is not meant to be private. That is, something for ourselves alone. A truly growing spirituality pulls us out of ourselves. It grows us into people who care about others, who see God's larger vision, and in serving that vision, discover our truest selves and our own life's purpose. It's an old family parable, and I share it this morning because it fits here and because I know that it really happened. It happened to my father during his pastoral ministry. It was winter, 1947, in a Central Valley, California church. A longtime member, a very active leader in the congregation, suddenly stopped coming. He'd been offended by something someone had done or not done. And after a few weeks, my father decided he'd better check in on him. He went to the man's home and found him alone sitting in front of a blazing winter fire. The parishioner invited my dad in and directed him to a comfortable chair by the hearth. After an initial greeting, the two conversed over many things as they sat there, watching the roaring flames dance over the logs. And then quite purposefully, my dad took the fire tongs and picked up a brightly burning ember from the center of that fire and placed it outside on the hearth, off on its own. That lone ember's flame began to flicker and then went out. Though the conversation continued unabated, the man's eyes became transfixed on that ember. Soon it was a cold, gray coal with no life or warmth whatsoever 
And then dad picked up that same coal with the tongs and he placed it back into the middle of the fire. And within seconds, it began to glow with light and warmth, ignited by the flames around it. The man continued to watch it as the conversation slowly wound down. Dad encouraged the man to come back to church and then left. It was an object lesson. And other than an invitation to return to the light and life of the congregation, no verbal reference was made to that ember or why Dad had moved it like that. That Sunday, the man was in church. After the service, he shook my father's hand at the door and said, thanks for that ember sermon, vicar. I'm back. Now we could talk about all sorts of good benefits we receive from being here, but it's enough to notice that when we try to walk the spiritual path alone, try to live and grow spiritually without others, we tend to grow cold rather than glow with warmth, just like that ember. Rather than that fate, Jesus pulls us into the flock toward community, toward a growing spirituality, to the place of renewing light and energy and life. And that is why we do church. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.